Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, hey, this is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, 8 to 10 p.m. on GTownRadio.com. Tonight, we are going back to 1967. <laughs> you won't know why Vince is laughing, because I edited it out. Um, <laughs> to uh, review Sidney Poitier in a... This may be... A, to me, the start of two genres of film. Two genres? Yes. Interesting. In two, sir, with love. Let's let's jump ahead with the two genres. Well, it maybe is not the start of one of the genres. Okay. Which is the um the high school film. Right, right. Where the right. teacher steps in know, steps and, in and you know Sure, sure, sure. Shows shows the kid how to get along in in the world. Okay. What's the other genre? But I do believe that this may be the start of the genre of the magic negro. You think Mark Thackeray is a magic negro? Yes. Interesting. All right, go ahead. <laughs> You just want to go where? Why I think he's a magic? Negro? Not at all, because this is a review thing, and we got stuff to do. But I thought I disagree with you. I hear you, okay, but I disagree with you. All right, and we'll talk about that because I had the same sort of oh really mental exercise. Like, is Mark Thacker Thackeray a magic negro? Is this a magic negro? And then I thought about magic negroes, okay, and I said, yeah, Mark Thackeray isn't a magic negro, okay. He's more of a Christ figure. A Christ figure? We'll talk about it. I mean, he doesn't die literally, but, you know, he sacrifices one life for another one. Uh, okay. All so, right. But we'll talk. We'll Interesting. talk. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but before we get into that deep dive, ladies and gentlemen, yes. as always, we like to start with our um, feedback from all of you that hit us up on uh uh, email at the Michelle mission at gmail.com as well as uh, tweets and follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Michelle mission. Um, and thanks to all of you who went on to iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice to give us a ranking or ratings. We haven't had any new reviews right, right, right. up on iTunes. However, we ha- have, received a few more ratings okay so and, and thank you thank you they were all five star well thank you so we appreciate that thank you believe me believe me that really helps people it find really the does so the more the merrier um but and don't we, be afraid to proselytize i never know how to pronounce that yeah i think you did it very well go out and sing 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 our song and I do mean our song. You know, sing, yeah. sing our song. There you go. All of us. Sing out loud. On the mission together. Sing out strong. Bring a friend. Tell a friend. I don't know the rest of the words. I don't either, but I was going to talk through it. <laughs> I was going to be like Dennis Edwards oh. in, oh, in Silent Night. Oh boy. Like you were saying uh, in my mind. Like the whole time I was just gonna keep talking. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> I do like to each one of you. 
that, that is the hottest, sweatiest. I love Dennis Edwards so much. I love Dennis Edwards and I love Christmas music, Dennis Edwards, because he is so hot and sweaty. <laughs> and you know, you know, he's wearing a velour sweatsuit. You know, Dennis Edwards is wearing a velour sweatsuit in the as studio. In the studio. With no shirt. With, well, and he has on a gold chain. Yep. With some type of medallion. Yep. Getting caught all in his chest hairs. Well, you know, and it's a medallion, and he would tell you it's the Oriental symbol for love. <laughs> and he would use the word Oriental. Because <laughs> it's 1980, and it's Dennis Edwards. It's a bad man. <laughs> He's a bad man. He was, He's a bad man. He was a bad man. Is 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 um if you had to pick one Christmas song. Oh my god. What? From the Temptations or just period? Period. Oh, this Christmas. This Christmas. Oh, this Christmas. Donnie Hathaway. Oh yeah. This Christmas. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Easily. For a long time, that was like my favorite song of all time. I'm, hey man. It really was. Like I I I remember I remember staying on the phone like forever. Mm-hmm. To, for like to get a request, yeah, and requesting this Christmas in June. You know what? <laughs> Dennis Edwards says, "Shake a hand, shake a hand," and it's 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 just pure. Well, Dennis Edwards didn't say. I'm that. sorry, not Dennis Edwards. Um, Donny Donny Hathaway. Donny Hathaway. Hathaway says, "Shake a hand, shake a hand." The funny thing is, Dennis Edwards. The Temptations have also remade um this Christmas. They did, and it's just, we actually talked about this last year. It's it's just ridiculous. Like, it's a ridiculous version. And you can tell Dennis Edwards loved Donny Hathaway saying, shake a hand, shake a hand, because it's, like, just so pure. Mm. So Dennis Edwards says it, like, five times in the Temptations version. It's hilarious. There have been a few remakes of This Christmas. Right. We we talked about this. Did we talk about that? And I despise every single person who has remade it, except for The Temptations, because it's Dennis (laughs) Edwards. And Dennis Edwards is amazing. (laughs) Anyway. Thank you, all of you who have reviewed. Yes. And and given us five stars. That's our way of thinking. Yes. Um, going to the emails, we heard from Quenu from Cali. Hey, what's up, Quenu? I appreciate you brothers reviewing the After Earth movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While you toured a new one. Oh, I don't think we did. You think we did? I didn't think we toured a new we, one. I, I mean, you need to listen to like, why did I get married? Or yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you want to hear it, like you want, like, you like wanna, <laughs> you want to hear anal ripping or uh, or listen to me talk about common in um. What was that movie he was in? Just right. In just right, like like we, you know, <laughs> yeah. I thought we did all right. I thought we were. Very, I thought we, we were very right. like constructive. I, I I think constructive is a good word. Anyway, he said <laughs> he goes on. I enjoy your perspectives and think you guys were spot on. Oh well, thank you. I guess it's just in sci-fi one never sees us people of color. My main point was the positivity of black characters that are set in the future. As to your points on the actors' personal characteristics slash talents, yes, bad. It's just so good to be able to see the black characters not being the first to die. I, know I prefer right. sci-fi, so I am just happy to see anything that shows people of color 
in the positive. I know that's right. On that note, might I suggest a 2013 sci-fi black comedy? It's called Destination Planet Negro. Yeah. Kevin Wilmot. It's funny and conscious. Much better than my previous suggestion. That has come up. Before, people have talked about Destination Planet Negro. Really? I don't even remember yeah, that. Yeah, I remember it came out a couple of years ago. I feel like we talked about it, but but absolutely, absolutely on the list. You know what movie I jokingly was going to select as uh, next movie to just show black people in Lethal Weapon 2? No. <laughs> um, and eventually we'll, we will have to get it get to it because I do believe this movie received a theatric release. Okay, what is that? It's um gay niggers in outer space. Gay niggers in outer space. That's what's that the 80s? Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, that's the that, 80s. I remember when that came out. You do? I do. I I just remember I just remember the I remember, I remember people talking about the title. Cuz I think it might be a a satire. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a, it's a it's a foreign film though. Okay, so so that might fall outside our purview. Not necessarily. Not necessarily, especially tonight. Because here's ego lend you on to get into the conversation. I also don't know if this is an American black movie. I think there are some very British attributes to this film. Well, I think there's this decidedly British attributes to it, but I think it is also still decidedly an Af- uh, an American film. Well. You don't talk about it. I don't know if Americans could have made this film. Certainly not in 1967. Are you serious? I'm I'm dead serious. I think so. Well, we'll talk. <laughs> he said, "Well, we'll talk." Yeah. Um. All right. So that was from Quentin. We're all over the place. We are. There's absolutely no structure going on here, ladies oh, well, there's and gentlemen. Structure. I apologize. <laughs> oh, there's there, structure. There's structure. Trust me. Um. We also heard from Aaron Fry. What's up, Aaron? Uh, speaking about TV movies. Okay. This may be a binge lounge contribution, but two movies from my TV movie past, which you guys may want to watch, are Carter's Army, which was oh. changed for some reason to The Black Brigade. The other one is Sophisticated Gents. Uh, the sophisticated Both were watchable, gents. but to me, Carter's Army just doesn't hold up. I don't even remember Carter's Army, but I, I love Sophisticated Gents. What's the, the Sophisticated Oh, gents? Sophisticated Gents was a bunch of, it was like five, five, for some reason I think it was more than five, but it was like five or six black guys who went to high school together, mm-hmm. and they had a club called the Sophisticated Gents, mm-hmm. and this was set like, you know, 20 years after high school. And I think like Bernie Casey is in it, and you know, like Thalmas Rosella, and 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 it, it oh wow yeah it's a, uh, a TV miniseries that's right I was about to say it was a miniseries from the eighties that that's aired right. on NBC mm-hmm. an ensemble cast featured a number of African American stage and film actors many of whom were customarily seen in soul cinema classic motion pictures in the seventies the miniseries is based upon the novel The Junior Bachelor Society by oh. John H John A Williams um. Just call out the cast, because the cast was crazy. It, wow, it's interesting. This film was, um, it was produced and uh, it was made in 1979, but it did not air until two years later. Okay. 
That's, yeah. That's that's um Who was in it? Well, let's see. Let's see who was in this I'll just tell you, Aaron. I'll just tell you. I would love to do sophisticated gents. Sophisticated gents is impossible to find a copy of. Really? Yeah, because I've looked for it over the years. Oh, so it's not. It's not even like on a. On a. Uh, Put it this way: not unless it's become available in the past two or three years. Well, maybe it wasn't a hit. I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know, those things happen. Let's see who who was in the cast of Sophisticated Gents. The cast was uh, Bernie Casey, Rosie Greer, yep. Robert Hooks, Ron O'Neill, your man and ours and mine, Thomas Rosella, Raymond St. Jock, Melvin Van Peoples, Dick Anthony Williams, Paul Winfield. Rosalind Cash. Well, there's a reason to show Dude, up. Dude, the cast is crazy. Jeanette Dubois, Alfre Woodard, Joanna Mills, J- Janet McLaughlin, B.B. Beach, Denise Nicholas, yeah. Marlene Warfield, Bo- uh, uh, Bea Richards, Stymie Beard as Mickey Mouse, <laughs> and Mario Van Peoples. Dude, the cast is crazy. Wow. This is a... Uh, I've never heard of this. Yeah, it's 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 one of those weird things that either you caught it or you didn't. And if you didn't catch it, you just didn't know about it. Yeah, it was released in, in VHS in ninety nine in ninety two, but it's never been released yeah. on uh, yeah DVD. And I am not at a point in my life where I'm a big like buy type things like like buy collectory like mm-hmm. like big expensive collectory like things but I, I'd actually come out my pocket a little bit for a VHS copy of sophisticated gents like if somebody had a copy have a VHS player like I would I would, I would I would buy a player like I'd buy a you, you don't have any VHS tapes left no I actually have a few because I knew it was stuff that was never going to make it to DVD mm-hmm. so like I have like maybe 15 but do you yeah. have a VHF? No, I don't have player. a player, but I'm just saying it's, uh, you know, I knew at some point, I'll, you know, I'll just get a player. They don't make players. Of course, they, of course they do. And they're filling up landfills with them. Of now. course they make VHS players. Of course they do. Of course they have VCRs. No, they don't. I could buy a VCR in the next 24 hours here in the city. Okay. Yes, you No, could. no, no. A brand new one. I could buy a brand new VCR in the city of Philadelphia in the next 24 hours. There's no question in my mind. Really? No question in my mind. Uh, maybe, I guess. I don't know. Between Chinatown, Old City, and what's another problem? Like East Passyunk is somebody that I could buy a VCR from. Okay. And you would buy a VCR? I would for, buy a VCR for sophisticated gents. So not for anything else that is sitting on your shelf. Not for anything you that got, I have. Right. You got sophisticated if gents. I found a pristine copy of sophisticated gents on VHS tape, I would buy a VCR. Okay. All right. Now everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing is half the battle. Yes. Um, we're having fun. In the other the- half is blue and red laser beams. <laughs> We're happy. <laughs> They're having a good time in the Facebook uh, fan group, the show mission, ladies and gentlemen. I should say Vince is having a good time. 
Vince is having a ball in there. He's turning people on to Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. I mean, so far he's got Nikki Simpson, who actually says, and now I am fully convinced to watch Stranger Things. Thank you, Vincent Williams, for yeah. giving me context and a reason to watch. It's I will start stuff. with season one and hopefully squeeze them all in post-haste. Yeah. Good stuff. I'm, I, a, I'm a big Stranger Things fan. I've only watched the first episode of season two so far. But um, I right. Did. But you watched the first season. I did. I, okay, I, right. I did enjoy it. Yeah, I did enjoy. I did um, enjoy it a great deal. So, yeah, and uh, I see that Netflix is, and we. Had, I know we have talked about this. The um, making the series of she's got to have it. Yes. Have yeah. you watched any episodes? And, and it just hit recently. It just hit. How many episodes is it? I. I'm going to assume 10. I don't know that for a fact. Have you watched it? I watched the first two episodes. What do you think so far? It's really good. Really? Like you ever see anything and it's so good that it kind of gets you scared that maybe you're overselling it. Mm -hmm. Like, like remember the first time you saw, you know, I don't know, like whatever it is that you think is the greatest thing ever. Remember the first time you saw it? Yeah. It's not the greatest thing ever. Okay. But it's really good. Really? Yeah, and it's like ridiculously better than I thought it was going to be. Hmm. Now Spike Lee has a hand in this. Spike Lee wrote. Well, the first episode is a is you know a fairly close adaptation of the film. So a truncated. Right. Right. And, you is know, it a half hour? Or hour. It's about forty five minutes. Okay. And you know they made a couple of changes to the characters. Okay. And then the second episode, because they updated it, it's not. That's, oh yeah, oh yeah. This is this is 2017 Brooklyn, right, right? And then the second episode was just a continuation. Okay. And it was, it was, uh, like I wanted, like I think it was amazing. Really? Like <laughs> me and my wife had watched both episodes, and like they went off, and we kind of looked at each other and was like, "That was good." Is was that was real good? Is it a comedy? No. I mean, there are funny moments, but it's not. A but comedy. it's not a comedy. Hmm. But see, I don't remember. She's got to have it being like a. She's got to have it. Was it? It. It has funny moments. Like Mars is still Mars, right? Greer is is ridiculous. Okay. Like Greer's like they've taken Greer as like the good looking guy mm-hmm. and kind of turned it up a notch and made it ridiculous mm-hmm. but Greer was always a little ridiculous like my favorite one of my favorite scenes from she's gotta have it is when they're you know about to have sex and Greer takes 20 minutes to yeah. get in the bed because yeah. he's folding his, folding clothes. his clothes up and, and you know right, so right, right. take that about Greer and then just sort of unpack <laughs> see what I did unpack unpack that and you have that character but it's it's good is it is it uh and it's beautiful you know it's absolutely beautiful like it's not black and white no 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 no, no. it's not black and white spike lee i don't think is handling a lot of the script work at least in the first couple of episodes and seeing the other writers and directing oh he's directing. so he can just direct okay and you know i've said it before like 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 nobody loves brooklyn like spike lee loves brooklyn right like brooklyn is just a living breathing character in this thing now, how is the lead? She's fantastic. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's very. She's absolutely Nola, darling. You absolutely see how how everyone around her 
the Wanda wise. Yeah, you can absolutely understand everybody is in love with her and wants to hold her and can't quite catch her. Okay. Like she's perfectly cast. Mm. Okay. I'm, I'm one last question about it. Okay. Considering that this is an adaptation of a movie into a television series, far from the first time it has been done, yes, will far be the last. How comparable is it to um, Dear White People? I think it's. I think Dear White People. I think Dear White People was much more episodic to the point where Dear White People almost became a loosely connected anthology. Okay. You know, like right. each character right. had their own story s- and, arc and distinct and, mm-hmm. episode. And, you know, again, I've only watched the first couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. But this is very much a show about Nola Darling. Okay. And, and she's a young black woman living in 2017 or 2016 modern Brooklyn mm-hmm. and everything that goes along with that. Okay. And you know for something that you know had to have been filmed over the past couple of years, it is so immediate in the in the themes that it's tackling. Like you know, as as far as cat calling and right. and and you you know and and sort of sexual assault and you know all of that. So it's it's you know again, I've only seen two episodes. I think might fall apart in the third episode, but the first two episodes are amazing. Okay, all right. I'll be interested to uh, check it out. Yeah, um, it does look like it's going to be about ten episodes. Spike Lee didn't. Ha- handle all of the writing he wrote the first one um but then uh he brought on uh his sister joali she's actually in she's in it too uh, his other sister Sneake. i think that's a brother oh, i'm sorry yeah. I'm, i didn't know um as uh and uh barry michael cooper mm-hmm. uh isa davis lynn notage um so he's, he's got other people working with him writing on it um we no. I wonder is that Barry Michael Cooper of New Jack City fame? I believe so. Yes, yes. I believe. I, I think. Be- I think he's one of the producers too. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. So. Um. So it'll be. I'll be. It, I'm very interested in checking it out. I'm interested in checking it out, especially considering that we, me and you, have spoken before about. Uh, you know. Having problems with how Spike Lee writes women in some of his Well, you know, I think and 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 she's gotta have it kind of bears it out. Like I've heard people I love she's gotta have like I think Nola Darling is one of the most complex, complicated female characters of like the past sixty years. Mm. I love the decisions that the men in the film make. I love what ultimately happens. Like I know, you know, I don't. If you've never seen, she's got to have it. There's some stuff that happens that Spike Lee has said he wished he had made different decisions. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was the perfect decision because the character that you know the character the, the the character has depicted absolutely yeah. fits the character, and that's the kind of dude that does this kind of stuff, right? Because that dude is feels like he's owed something, right? And um. It always kind of confused me how his female characters kind of fall apart after she's got to have it. Because mm. I think Nola Darling is amazing. 
Well, according to Rotten Tomatoes, the the series holds a 96% certified fresh rating, uh, with the site's consensus being that it's fun, fascinating, and feminist. Spike Lee's classic is born again for a new generation. That's She's Gotta Have It, a new series available on Netflix right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, please. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Um, And hopefully I will check that out over the course of the next 10 weeks or so. Because we, as you know, ladies and gentlemen, are on a mission. We are on the road to 100. Yes, we are. We actually had to sketch them out. We had to. Before we start recording, we sketched them out. We had to map it out so that we can tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen. That episode 100. I don't think we should announce a date. You don't think we should announce it? Not yet. Why not? Just in case. Just in case there's a hiccup. You don't want to. I mean, some people might want to get their their ducks in a row, man. There might be people that suppose the. All right. All right. The the, the hundred billion dollar triple couple. Oh, okay. Who lives in New York. All right. But have children. All right. Yeah. Want to come I, down I know to, that's right. Want to come down to yeah. the 100? They got to get the All right. in a row. I'll, hey, announce. Do it. So we've mapped this out. Do it. Do it. Do it. And we have spoken to Ariel Johnson yes, yes. of Amalgam. And the 100th episode, which you know will be our review of the Wiz, that screening will be on Saturday, February 24th. Okay, there it is. Saturday, February 24th. Saturday, February 24th. We will be screening The Wiz, ladies and gentlemen, at Amalgam Commons and Coffee House. Now, not only that, we will also, because I have in speaking with Ariel Johnson of a Malcolm Commons and Coffee House, I have cleared it with her that we can have the entire day. We can take over Amalgam Comics. There you go. Because she she actually listened to the episode. Yeah. She was like, oh, well, it's nice for Linda to plan out my Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I actually saw her last week, too, and said the same. I was like, yeah, you know. <laughs> We kind of, we kind of booked ourselves. Yeah, but she was with it. She, yeah, 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 she's with it. Good sport. So on Saturday, February twenty fourth, we are going to uh, kick off the day at Amalgam Comics. All right, uh, that probably like that early afternoon. These times it's to be determined. The times are to be determined. They'll be announced, ladies and gentlemen. But it's going to kick off as we screen Polly. Polly with. Keisha Knight Pullum and uh, Felicia Rashad. And Felicia Rashad. That lovely, heartwarming uh, music, TV movie musical. Yes. Will be the perfect lead in for our screening of The Wiz. The Wiz. Which is the. the uh, redo or redux, as, as you will, of The Wizard of Oz, but with soul. What was soul with Diana Ross, Michael Jackson, Nipsey Russell, Nipsey Russell, the dare I say the great Nipsey Russell. <laughs> yeah, you dare. Um, and uh, Mabel King, Mabel King. I'm 
I'm drawing a blank on the gentleman's name. I know his name. Um, Who are we talking about? The Lion. Uh, Ted. Um, mm, it's right off the tip of my tongue. And I love him, too, because he and Mabel King are the only cast members that made it to the movie. Uh, the the cast members of the of, original. Of the, of, the, uh, of the play. Right. Of the musical play. Oh, man. See, now I've got to look it up. Uh, this, this is something. I know his first name's Ted, and then I just lost his last name. His first name's Ted. His first name's Ted. It's more than just Ted. I want to say Ted Lang, but that doesn't sound Ted right. Ted Ross. Ted Ross. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and Richard Pryor. Did you say Richard Pryor? I did not say Richard Pryor. Yeah, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. In, as the Wiz. As the Wiz. So we'll be screening that. Yes. On February 24th. And then we will round out the evening. Round out the evening. With... An adults only screening of Harlem Nights. Harlem Nights. All in honor of the great Della Reese. The honor of the great Della Reese. And Richard Pryor. And Red Fox. <laughs> there you go. You're right. I forgot. Richard Pryor's in that too. And Charlie Murphy. And Charlie Murphy. And um uh Ar- I, Arsenio Hall. No, he's not dead. Oh, you say, oh, you're just saying you're talking about dead, dead people. people. I'm sorry. Yes, and um, I just forgot his name. Mo Better Blues, Baby's Kids. Uh, oh, Robin um, and Robin Harris. Robin Harris. Boy, the more I think about it, like I feel Boy, like is he in? Um, I feel like everybody else in the film needs to. Watch. I feel like Arsenio and Eddie Murphy need to be careful. That's right. The whole damn cast is dead. Jesus, he wasn't um Harlem Night. Yeah. The whole cast is. Wait, Danny Aiello is Danny Aiello still alive? Danny Aiello still alive? I think so. Yeah, I feel like Danny Aiello, Arsenio Hall, and Eddie Murphy need to watch themselves. (gasps) Right, because Whatchamacallit's also dead. I think Danny Aiello. Danny Aiello. Tommy from uh, Martin. He's dead. He's dead too. Jasmine Guy should watch herself too. Somebody need to go keep an eye on Jasmine Guy. Get back here, Vince. I'm just saying. Tell the kids I love them. <laughs> I've been chosen. <laughs> I've been training for this my whole life. Oh, so you see Vince in a Rocky Montage. <laughs> no, I have to protect Jasmine Gah from death. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The prophecy has come true. <laughs> <laughs> I got like a 22 in, in my trunk. I've been waiting for this. So the whiz. No, 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 Harlem Night. <laughs> Let's get into um to serve with love. <laughs> These kids are a special breed. Joseph. Yeah. 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 Young and wild. 
Potter. Not quite adults. Potter. They're as in as Carnaby Street, as hard as the streets of London. As touching as a 16-year-old who knows all the answers. You're not in trouble, are you? <laughs> no, sir. Nowadays, it's only for fools, isn't it? If you wanted the sky, I would ride across the sky and let her. That would soar a thousand feet high. To serve with love. Sidney Poitier in a role worthy of his Academy Award-winning talents as the teacher who joins battle with the wildest set of rebels London ever produced. Whatever's the matter? Those kids are devils, incarnate, huh? I tried everything. Everything but nothing I tried. Kids. Kids. That's it. So sorry. It slipped. Christian Roberts as Denim. Hands. Judy Geeson as Pamela. Uh, don't worry about your desk, sir. I'll tidy it for you every day. That won't be necessary. That's perfectly all right. A woman's work is never done. Susie Kendall as the young teacher. I think he fancies her. I know you do. Pamela Dare has quite a crush on you. Women say the damnedest things. I think he's nice. And introducing Lulu. One of England's favorite pop singers. Look at me. I am a lady, I am. <laughs> now in her first film as one of the bright, hip youngsters. And sharing the musical spotlight, Britain's top big beat group, The Mindbenders. It's hard not to think about you, to keep you off my To serve with love is a special kind of motion picture, striking at the heart of what it means to be young. Emotionally, brilliantly, and provocatively portrayed. What are we going to talk about, sir? About life, survival, love, death, sex, marriage. To sir with love. A 1967 British drama film that deals with social and racial issues in an inner city school in London. Stars Sidney Poitier and features Kristen Roberts, Judy Geeson, Susie Kendall, and the singer Lulu making her film debut. This film was written, produced, and directed by James Clavell. Um, and based on the 1959 autobiographical novel of the same name by E.R. Braithwaite. Mm -hmm. The title song, To Sir With Love, sung by Lulu, reached number one in the U.S. pop charts for five weeks in the autumn of 1967. And this film was uh, noted by Entertainment Weekly as number 27 on their list of 50 best high school movies. The film deals with Sidney Poitier's character, Mark Thackeray, an unemployed man who applies for an engineering job while waiting to hear back. 
takes a position as a teacher at the North Quay Secondary School in the tough east end of London, uh, where he has to deal with a classroom of tough East Enders that give him uh, hooligans, even hooligans uh, full of uh, ne'er do wells, ruffians, <laughs> rapscallions. <laughs> <laughs> To start with love, it was a 92% fresh rating on the review aggregate website Rotten Tomatoes. Um, It grossed $42 million in box office in the United United States. It's had some reasonably good reviews over the years. At the time, in 1967, New York Times um, reviewer Bosley Crothers began his review by contrasting the film with Portier's role and performance in 1955's Blackboard Jungle. Mm, of course. Um, but overall, he says he enjoyed the film. It comes off as a cozy, good-humored, and maybe a slightly unbelievable little tale. Interesting that he found it unbelievable. Very interesting. This film was an episode... Uh, 91 on our Michelle mission is the selection of Vincent Williams. Yes, indeed. What say you of two sir worth love? Well, I love this film and I'm fascinated by this film. So I'm a sucker for these films, like like these the high school, the high school, school, the teacher goes into the high school and and kind of helps and changes things. And then he teaches the kids and the kids teach them. I'm actually a sucker for these films when they aren't some icky, you know, white people going in and helping some black people learn how to do stuff, stuff, which we'll talk about more. But, you know, stand and deliver Mm -hmm. Hoosiers. Dead Poet Society, like any of these films, I'm a sucker for. Okay. And this is probably the film that began my love of this genre, if you will, this subgenre. Okay. I think you, you know, obviously we're going to talk about Sidney Portier, but I think this is a film of thinking about it today where it reminded me a bit of what we talked about, the relationship in 48 hours versus the relationships in the films that come after. Okay. I think as someone who teaches, I will say this very rarely has a film captured that alchemy of young people mm-hmm. where they're all little shits and you hate them, but you also love them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a really hard thing to capture. And this cast did it really well. I think, you know, we're going to talk a lot about Judy Geeson's performance as Pam. Yeah. I think I think that whole storyline is one that you have to thread the needle very carefully. And I think they did it brilliantly in this film. Sidney Portier. Oh, well, you know, I liked I think it's a good script. I think the direction is fine. I think, you you know, the direction goes from, you know, good and solid to there are moments that I think are 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 really, really great. Like, okay. I think there are great moments mm-hmm. in this film. I think the chemistry between all the cast, whether it's the chemistry between the, the kids 
and or the chemistry between the kids and Portier is fantastic. Sidney Portier, you know, this is our first really, I would say, proper Sidney Portier film. Like, like when people talk about Sidney Portier, this is one of the films that comes up. This is one of the benchmarks. It is, and yeah. and I think you understand why Sidney Portier is a star. Yeah, when you see him in this film, yeah. I think this is a role that is 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 very understated. Mm-hmm. Just by definition. And I think his training as a stage actor where he gets across a lot of information with not a lot of movement and not a lot of speech is amazing. Like there are, there are scenes in here that are soundless, mm-hmm. but it conveys so much information because of Portier. Right. I think this is a film and this goes into why I'm fascinated by this film. I, I think one of the critiques that Sidney Poitier has gotten over the years, and, and certainly as as we move a couple years after this into the 70s mm-hmm. and the black exploitation period, is that you, you know Sidney Poitier is this sort of neutered black man. He's you, you know he's, he's desexualized this that and the other. And I think this is a film where I argue against that. Because I think Mark Thackeray is very sexualized. Mm-hmm. Every woman in this film wants to have sex with Mark Thackeray. Mark Thackeray does not have sex with them. Now then, whether that we understand that that's just the nature of the film industry and just the realities of 1967. Yes, yes. But Mark Thackeray is not one of the characters that Tyler Perry plays. Mark Thackeray is not uh I was thinking of like Meshach Taylor in designing women. Okay. You know, okay. Mark you know, Mark Thackeray is not but that he's not Meshach Taylor. He's not no. Meshach Taylor. Where, you know, they're basically eunuchs. Yeah. Like Mark Thackeray is I mean, he's basically he's basically Steve Rogers in this thing. Mm-hmm. Like all the men want to be him, all the women want to be with him. Mm-hmm. Everyone aspires to be Mark Thackeray. Yes. And he's just completely removed from all of it. So that, you know, going to what fascinates me, the racial politics of this thing, even in 2017, where basically, you know, I've said for years that, you know, what's to serve love about? Well, to serve love is about this perfectly colonized black man who civilizes some savage white children. <laughs> Like, that's the plot of the film. That's the plot of the film, yeah. And the subplot, or sort of the the shadow plot, he's also civilizing the adults. Yeah. You know, the adults around him, the teachers who, as one of the teachers says, we're the bottom of the barrel. Mm -hmm. He's teaching them how to conduct themselves. Yeah. And that is really, really interesting to me. So... Again, I love this film. I've, I've loved this film pretty much since I was like a teenager. I've always kind of, you know, and, and you know, without I think this is part of the reason I teach. Like it really is. One I was of wondering whether. Oh, oh, I, I tell my students all the time. Like I feel, you know, I feel like at the end, I'm, you know, because we're at like the end of the the term now. I tell them I'm sending them out into the world, and now some some new toughs are going to come in and tell <laughs> me that they have that I have them next time. And I got to rip my engineering letter in half, <laughs> go and straighten them out. But um, yeah, but this is your first time. 
This is my first. This time is your first this time seeing it. So it's so a where are you at with to serve with love. I I enjoyed it. Okay, I did enjoy. Oh, it. let me say. It. I'm sorry before you start because I do have to get this. Um, I have to get this this sort of disclaimer out. Some of it does not age that well. There's some gender stuff in here where well, you know yeah. where I talked about you know he's basically civilizing the savages. Yeah. Well, part of how he civilizes them is you know he says some stuff to yeah. to the women that's like ooh like I was listening to that I was like ooh Mark Thackeray yeah talking a little crazy right now but yeah you know, and, and, and it was 1967 it was it was 1967 right. but, but even but even for 1967 it was still kind of bold and shocking yeah for, especially for in a film for a black man to stand up in the front of a class in front of a class that is predominantly except for one you know voiceless woman right right uh, white girls yeah and read them the riot act oh my goodness i mean he 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 called them just about everything under the sun that you can yes he did he get he 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 called them the three dollar word for b's and c's (laughs) like in every which way that he could and he meant it and they had it coming yeah i mean hey man um and it was it was it was it was very shocking and uh I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed the film. I did like it. This mm-hmm. was my first time seeing that. I had thought for some reason I had seen it, but I guess I never did. You were thinking about Lethal Weapon 2. It probably was. It's, it's similar. It's easy. It is. Similar. You know. Similar. Um, <laughs> Lethal Weapon 2 was a remake of <laughs> To Serve With Love. Um, Danny Glover, very desexualized in the Lethal Weapon films. Go ahead. There is the first thing that I, I would, there was two things that just stood out to me in this film. One is it's a great looking film. Mm-hmm. I love the way that it's shot. I love the scenery. Um, you know, it's filmed on location in London. Um, there's some sound sets, but for the most uh, sound stages that is used in London and at Pinewood Studios, but for the most part, it's filmed in the streets of, of London. I loved it. I love that the the actors were speaking a very hard cockney uh, mm. of Lon- that made it hard to understand what they were what they were saying um and but i liked it because it just lent an authenticity to the dialogue as well as just the the atmosphere that the film was was um, creating, and I also like that Sidney Poitier's character, without sounding like a dunderhead, was you know there to kind of like uh, educate us a little bit in on some of the Cockney, right? You know, I I, I did enjoy that, so th- that stood out to me. And then the other thing that did stand out to me was Sidney Poitier, in that, you know. I've always liked Sidney Poitier. I've had nothing but the highest regard for Sidney Poitier. Um, and, and I've seen some of the benchmarks of his career, Raisin in the Sun. Right. right. Uh, you know, the uh, the Defiant Ones. Um, and, of course, you know, Heat of the Night. Right. Um, but this is the one that kind of like had uh, escaped my radar. And um, and also, what's what's the other one? Uh, guess who's coming to dinner? Guess who's coming to dinner? Um, he real neutered in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's big time <laughs> neutered in that one. In this one, 
you're you're right. He, you can sense that this is Sidney Poitier, like damn near at the height of its powers. He is actually in 1967. He is the box office king in the in the world, Um, and you can feel it resonating off of the screen. Um, Not only in just the the magnetism that he has and the power that he has, but in the dignity that he has in his acting. Um, that is just, I just enjoyed watching him walk down the streets, you know, just watching him walk down the streets of London was just, what's that cool. say? What's that say right there? Fourth line from the bottom in my notes. I just love how he moves. That's what he, he does, man, man. Don't nobody move. Like 1967, Sidney Poitier. And it's not a stroll. Mm-mm. That's the important thing about it. It's not a stroll. It's just a confident walk, a confident stride, a confident head held high. It, he wasn't, but you could almost hear him whistling. I mean, I just, re- I just enjoyed watching him just. Ha- and, and I thought that as, as an actor, I think he was. Um, welcoming the challenge of acting with all of these younger kids mm-hmm. you know in basically it basically like this theater class which was the set of their classroom and he was you know teaching them teaching teaching them basically how to, to get over dialogue and acting and, and build up the camaraderie that you do feel um and they were showcasing that they had learned their lessons well throughout the film. So there was a great deal that I enjoyed about the movie. Overall, I, I really did like like the movie. Mm-hmm. It's dated in some places, of course. You said some of the the um, gender politics of it are like, you know, ooh, you know. Um, and some of the racial things that they touch on, um, I think they they do just touch on them. Right. They don't go hard into them. Uh, but in reading up about the novel that this upon which this movie is based, the novel's like that. So it's right. not it's not like they like you know uh, watered down the novel. Though the novel is kind of like plays like that as well. So they're just being fair with the, uh, giving you that same tone. Um, but they still do hit hit on it hard. Mm-hmm. There, um, there's one point where. You know the, the the race card is played in front of Sidney Poitier, and it's all the more striking because of what he doesn't say. Mm-hmm. It goes to a tight close up on him because you are expecting yeah. him to say something, but he doesn't say something, doesn't say anything, and it's all that much more powerful. It says all that much more. Um, so, and and I think that really, as I think about it, the big, you know scene that deals with race Sidney Poitier is not even in it right it's between the kids yeah you know which makes it a makes it all the more powerful maybe some people might have a trouble with you know the person who's who's being called out and who's calling this person out some people might have trouble with that um but I liked it yeah I was thinking it I was thinking like you know yo what's going on and I like that somebody called this person out, and and I didn't care that it was. It's, well, go ahead, but I thought that w- that's one of. I, I think that's a 
fascinating exchange the more you think about it. that character is a fascinating character and, and, the more yeah. you think about and him. that i mean i mean spoilers for a 50 year old movie um it, but that character seal or um the black the one black character right right in right this, in this movie he he has an interesting story and yeah his story is used to um push this push the narrative forward a little bit yet they don't they i i think they lose him in it they they want his story they don't really want the character right and i right. think that and i think that plays a little bit to, to the detriment of this film i think this film made in 2017 you know seals character is a lot more you know uh, more developed Right. Than he is. And not just this this story upon which we can see how the the white kids, you know, right, right. Re- react. Because that's really all it's for. Right. There. Um, so that bothered me a little bit. I knew that that was six, 1967. Right. Um, and in, you shouldn't give it a pass for that. But again, according to what I've read it's is basically as it happened in the book right and i think again sort of the racial politics of this thing you know is the biracial kid yeah and so you know of course there is part of the tragic mulatto trope there mm-hmm. but the film says in text and subtext that what tortures him is not his black half this is white it's his white half Right. Like at one point, you know, the scene you're talking about, and they say, you know, why don't you say anything? Why don't you? And he says, because I'm not, sir. I just wish I was. Right. So that the implication, you know, usually you see the tragic mulattoes, it's always that the black blood. Mm-hmm. It's like you're polluted by that jungle black blood, mm-hmm. and you want to be more dignified and more cerebral like your white half. Mm-hmm. They completely, you know, invert that in this. Yeah. Where, you know, no, I would be like Mr., but I have this white half holding me back. Yeah. Which is crazy. You just hit on another thing that, you know, um, I really enjoyed watching about this film. And this and this is on definitely on a subtext level. I enjoyed that this film Outside of Seal and the the wordless black black um, other black girl in the class, is a completely white cast. Yes, completely white cast. Yeah, and I loved that with respect, dignity, and um, affirmation. Everybody was calling him sir. Dude, I'm telling you, from the moment the film starts, when he's on the bus with the three women mm. and they get to talking body <laughs> about sex with their husbands and then and, sex with him and then sex with him, he is completely above all of this. Yeah. He's completely separate from all of this. He has to be here because the brother can't get a job. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm slumming. Mm hmm. And the film from the beginning to the end, and this, and I really want to hear your magic Negro argument because to me that kind of pushes back against him being a magic Negro. Like the magic Negro is always there in service to this white hole, 
Okay. And, you know, the, the Magic Negro isn't really a character. Okay. He's just a device. Whereas Mark Thackeray is just sort of, he just sort of floated down. Like, he had to be here. And, you know, when he gets the opportunity to leave, he decides that this is his higher calling. Okay. I mean, I... I, I so that's where you get the whole Christ figure. And you you know, back to the to the script, which I, I like. I like the way the script disseminates information. Okay. So that by the end, when you think about, you know, so if I say, you know, kind of like when we were going back and forth about Hoke mm-hmm. in in um Driving Miss Daisy, mm-hmm. and my whole thing is, well, tell me about Hoke. And you kind of list the things that you know about Hoke from the film. Mm-hmm. If I say, tell me about Mark Thackeray, it's amazing how much information that you actually have about him. You have, by a, good, the you end. have a little bit. You, yes. you know, where you know he was poor and he worked his way through college and mm-hmm. he lived in America and South them. He was in California. He was in South America. He was an engineer. He lost his job. Uh, he, you know, he, he still can fall back on that patois when he needs to. Yes. You know, he can throw them hands. Yes. You yes. know, yes. there's all of this stuff that Mark Thackeray is an actual character. Yeah, see, but I for I guess the whole Magic Negro thing to me, and, and mind you, I say that he is this is the birth of that. Right. So, you know, you know, uh, um while there is a character there and he touches on it. He kind of he touches on it in it's it's lines of dialogue. He tells you outside of the hands. He shows the hands, right? Right. But everything else is basically a line of dialogue. Yeah, I did this. I did that. Yada 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 yada. Yeah, I went here. I went there. You know. But you don't really see those play out. You don't really see them. Those get called back on in any way, except maybe that he he because he had so many odd jobs, he learned how to make a decent salad. Right. Right. You know. Um, you don't really, so th- th- it's basically him just giving you dialogue. You, you could argue that the boxing scene is basically so that there is some action in this movie. Right, right. Instead of just walking around from classroom and to classroom. And the dancing at the end. The less said about the dancing, the better. Well, I think that, I think because. Even though I like the no, scene. No, because here's the other thing. The other reason I don't, wouldn't call him a magic Negro, he's not actually magic. Like, like Mark Thackeray's whole thing is just work real hard and control yourself. Like that is, well, that is, that is actually the entirety of the advice that he gives these savages. Yes. And, and, you and, need and it to turns work, them around. You need to work hard. You need to control yourself, mm-hmm. which, you know, you know what I said, but like he ain't snapping no peas. He ain't talking about honey love and and the spirit of the earth. And no, you need to work really hard. You need to have deferred gratification. Mm -hmm. You need to control yourself. Mm -hmm. You need to learn how to speak English better than you speak English. Okay. Again, like I say, this is the birth of the Magic Negro. When at any time that there's a birth, there's a whole lot of things in there. I think and there has to be spirituality and and some type of well magic well, with the Magic Negro. Like, name me a Magic Negro who isn't like has some type of supernatural esque stuff to him. 
and maybe I can go with you. Like I've never heard of a magic Negro that tells you to just work real hard and, and control yourself. Like show some discipline and some rigor. Okay. I don't think they necessarily have to be. I mean, just tell me one that's not actually magic. Like we call them magic because these Negroes are actually magic. Like the white man controls intelligence and science. Well, wait a minute. And Do people who are of color, you know, Will we, Smith in the in the golf movie. You mean Will Smith who walks out of the darkness and it's never really explained where he's from? That Will Smith? And then he disappears again? Does he? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. Well, okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Magic Negro thing. Like, no, I still think. All right, hey man. I still think there's enough. Like he, I say, he, he is there in service to the white characters. Is, he is very much argument. is absolutely. And you know, and then if over the years that 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 character gets distilled into to realms of spirituality, so yes, that it becomes yes. the Magic Negro, that happened. But it all gave birth right here. Yeah, on you, to you, sir think, you think this is it to sir? First so, of all, first of all, is this magical that white people are calling a black man sir? So there you go, and well, they're doing it with love. Well, that's I, magical. Well, I think boom. That's, I think that's why Done. ultimately I drop the mic. <laughs> No, but I think that speaks to why this is a British film and why in a lot of ways I wouldn't if I'd have thought this through I wouldn't have chosen this because like I've said before I'm more comfortable with African American films Mm -hmm. because I think the thing about England is that they focus like obviously it's racism Mm -hmm. but I think they're much more focused on class yeah Yes. Than race, or they focus on it in a in a different way than we do here in the states. Well, there definitely was a little bit of both because you heard the, the kids talking about you know they couldn't be seen going into a black right, man's and but but even that that was just bec- that was just sort of because of gossip and like that wasn't because you are actually worse than me or this like you actually have well a, I think that, well I think like you actually have a biracial character in this film. Yeah. And and his parents are actually married. And, you know, there's actually some discussion about interracial sex in this film that you're not. I mean, again, remember, this is 1967. I forget what year um, in the heat of the night was, but it's within a couple of years yeah. in either direction of this. They edited out that black man slapping a white man. So I just think the sensibilities are different enough, especially when you're talking about poor English children, mm-hmm. that there was some leeway for this. And, you know, as you said, it's based on a true story. Right. So, you know. I would still call it a... I mean, maybe it is a British film in, in, the, in, the, in the sense that it is filmed in Britain. Right. And it, it, it's damn near all British cast, except for, you know, City of Poitiers. Um, who is who is actually Guyanese? So you know, I don't know if he was. Is a, he? No, I thought he's Bahamian. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's Bahamian. Is he Bahamian? Baham- Baham- well, yeah, he's he, trying to. Pay, uh, my point is, he's not Bahamas. an American, right, right? So, so he, you know, not not American. Boy, like no. there are no Americans in this thing. No, no, really, there's, there's not. Um, however, it is produced by an American. Sure, movie. Company. Sure, I mean it's it's. It's British in the same way that the James Bond movies are British. They're British films, 
get they're produced by Americans. Right, right, right. Now, an argument could be made whether or not this is truly a black film. Now, I think that I think because this character is black based on a black man's book and it's his story. Right. It's, it's his tale that we're being related, related. I think that makes this in my viewpoint, a black film. I mean, you know, obviously you could make this film with a white teacher. And and white students. You could, but then or, it wouldn't be the true story. It, no, it wouldn't be a true story, but, you know, you could have that movie. But I think that's a different movie. Like, I think that actually changes the whole dynamic of the film. Like, you, you know, like when we talk about things, what was the Michelle Pfeiffer film that was the punchline for years about these? Was it Dangerous Ground or? Yeah, dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds. Yeah. Where, you know, Dangerous Minds is the same movie. You know, somebody goes into these savage classrooms to teach but because she was a white woman and these were black students the whole dynamic changes the film right so that again i think that there is a very specific type of electricity to this being a black man that everyone in the film like you said defers to call sir aspires to be like i joke that he's steve rogers like captain america like everyone in this film is aspiring to be mark thackeray Mm -hmm. and i think if that character is played by paul newman the film is a little less good you know i think i think it's a film we don't talk about frankly probably like i think the exact same film with you know, Paul Newman, who I think Paul Newman is as good of an actor as Sidney Poitier. It's it's we don't even talk about it anymore. You speak about the people wanting to be uh, Mark Thackeray. And you also pointed out earlier about someone that wanted to be with Mark Thackeray. Yeah. The student Pam played by Julia Deason. That's 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 a real thing right there. Really, like, like the young, like the the girl on the cusp of one. Like, it's funny because you know it's like the whole film kind of lets you think that Denim, who's like the the the, the classroom tough, mm-hmm. and he's like the alpha male of the teenagers, and you know he's the big sort of um conflict. But no, it's it's Peg, Pam, Pam, it's Pam. Because and I thought the film dealt with it very well. Like I love. I love her performance in this. I do. Because it is just kind of that kind of cusp of sexuality. Mm-hmm. But she's still a girl. Yeah. She's very vulnerable. Yes. But at the same time, you can't drop your guard. Like there's a scene where she straightens out his desk. Mm-hmm. That is is you can actually feel the tension in the air. You can. And both actors perform it brilliantly. They do. They do. So that when you get to the end scene where, like you said, where he dances with her and she says to him, can you, because, you know, of course, he's teaching, he's civilizing them. So they have to refer to each other by their last names and he calls, you know, Miss Dare and this. And she says, can you just call me Pamela tonight? And that's it. But it's, it's actually palpable. It's palpable because. You feel when that scene comes up, when she asks him about 
when she asked him about calling her Pam, uh, because it is the night of the the graduation, right? For more or less, and he speaks about how nice she is. That comes after a scene where they have a bit of a confrontation um, that that doesn't end well. She right. she ends up screaming out of there. But the smart thing about this film is that you're left with, oh man, so now what's going to happen? You know, now they've, because you know they're going to have to reconcile. Right. And they do reconcile, but it's not a reconciliation between the two of them. Because one, he didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) He he was coming at her about something that his mom had asked. Well, he's Mark Thackeray. He doesn't do things wrong. No, he doesn't. Um, the reconciliation is her because even though she left out there disappointed, mad at him, screaming and crying all the while in all of the, the subsequent scenes, everything that happened there is playing in her mind. Right. You can see it. She's a very, very understated actress in that even in the other scenes where that have nothing to do with that, you can see her, you can see where her thinking about this type of stuff and you can see her connecting the dots and you know playing back what he said as well as playing back other things that he said along the way right um so that when she in a group setting with all of her other classmates you know puts a button on the scene that has just taken place it that button is also her the light going off in her head and like he was right right you know and that and that and you see it too as the as the viewer so that when the next time you see them you can understand why she is happy to see him right she know and she knows what he did she and she i think probably as much as she you know quote unquote was feeling him probably now has nothing but the most utmost respect for him yes absolutely and she only wants him to her, him to call her Pam you know, yeah, there's probably still a little bit of that crush thing, but it's also it just in service of what he means to her, right? And I, I, and you know, Sidney Poitier, he like like Yafakoto never needs to do any running <laughs> right. anymore. Sidney Poitier never needs to do dancing. However, for what he does in that scene, he is he is so he's so pitch perfect. Yeah, he is so pitch perfect. Little awkward, but getting into it, and he lets his hair time. down a little lets bit. Lets his hair down a little bit, you a little know what bit, I'm just a little bit, because he's just, still because he's still sir. He's still he's still, sir. still Mark Thackeray. It's such. It really is such a really um, good good scene. Yeah, um, and and it spills right into this is one of my favorite endings to a film. Like it's one of my absolute favorite endings. Yeah, you know the the toughs come in mm-hmm. from there. The world be is because you know Mark Thackeray gets a job. Yeah, the engineering job that he wants, and they come in, and, and and the the new young toughs come in and say, "We have you next term." And he stands up, silent, takes out the envelope with the because they sent him a plane ticket or a train ticket. Yeah, paid he his way. Stands up, and you can see him running the numbers in his head. Then he just rips it in half, throws it in a trash can. Credits roll. Credits roll. 
So I already liked the ending a lot. Credits go back. It's him before he walks out of the classroom because they gave him his his old class gave him gifts. Mm -hmm. You know, they gave him like a mug and some flowers before he goes out. He breaks one of the flowers off of the stem, puts it in his lapel. Boot dear. Because now he's now he's part of this school. Yeah. And walks out after the new kids. I thought that was like a perfect. I said, damn, that was cool. And it, it's a shame you can't do that scene anymore. No. Because like you said, the credits run. Back in 67, credits were your actors. Yeah. Because they, they pretty much run your directors and all that stuff in the beginning of the film. Right, right, so right. So at the end of the film, it's pretty much your, your actors, the end. Right. So it's short. Right. So you can come back to him, show him the scene where he throws on the boot near, walks out the classroom, boom, dark. Dark. Black. Perfect. Yeah. And I, I I remember watching it. Yeah. Like, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It was so. it was cool, man. Yeah. It, it really it really was cool. Um kind of wish that's the last image you ever got of Mark Thackeray. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh they did do a to serve with love too. In nineteen ninety six, was it? I, I'm embarrassed for everybody involved in it. And Sidney Poitier returns. He returns. He's about to retire. Mm-hmm. But then he gets a call from his friend who's teaching in, I think it's L.A. Yeah. Yeah. We need you. So then <laughs> Mark Thackeray goes to L.A. Yes. in 1996 to deal with some black hoodlums and some Hispanic hoodlums. And it's just embarrassing. Like the whole thing is just terrible. Nah, I, I didn't see it. It's terrible. And but did that come out on the movies? I want to see. I don't think so. I think, I think it was, it was a, a TV. T- yeah, it was. We don't have. Yeah, to we don't have to do it. <laughs> Speaking of that, though, there was I always thought kind of a sequel to this. So we've talked about. We've mentioned it before. You know, a piece of the action. Okay. Bill Cosby, Sidney Poitier's characters are blackmailed into yeah. helping with the after school center and it's it's this really you know kind of confusing at first scene where they you know basically they have to decide between the two of them one of us have to stay with the kids that actually come to the the center the center and one of us has to find investors because of course the center is going to go out of business and they flip a coin and Bill Cosby is tasked with finding investors, and Sidney Portia ends up with the kids. And even in 1970, you know, 77, 78, it was confusing because Bill Cosby was already doing like Fat Albert, and mm-hmm. you know, he was Bill Cosby. It seemed like Bill Cosby would have been a better fit with the kids mm-hmm. until you realize that they're doing a to sir with love riff. And it's it's now Sidney Poitier with some black teenagers, mm-hmm. including a very young Shirley Ralph. Wow. And it works. You know, it's not as good as to serve with love, but it's a nice little, you, you know. I don't like piece of the action stuff. So. You don't like it at all? You just don't like it it's as much as the other I've two. I've seen it, but it, I, I Whoa, remember not liking it. It is clearly a case of diminishing returns with these films. Yeah, but I really feel, yeah. I remember like... But, actively not liking this. Yeah, movie. there are pieces of it that I think work. And and I actually think the Sydney Portier scenes with the kids works. Okay. 
But yeah, it's not a. But we'll talk about that when we get to it. You, you know, we. I guess we will eventually. But uh, yeah. Um, to you, serve with love. What do you say about real quick? Okay, because you're a music guy. Yeah. What do you think of the 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 classic? It is a, it is a certifiable classic. Yeah. The the the. the I can't be objective about it. I can't be objective. I mean, I love you know. Again, I I I just love this movie. So when I think of the movie, I think of the song. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's it's not bad. I don't have any I don't have any beef with it, but I do understand critiques of it. You know, it's a little schmaltzy. Yeah, it's a little gooey, but it's cute. But it's, it's a it's cute, catchy song. as hell. It's it's catchy as hell, and I have a soft spot for Lulu, the singer, as um Pam. She's not Pam. Not Pam. Um, what's her name? Peg. Peg. She's Peg. Peg. She's Peg. You know, I like her as Peg. I and I do like her character. Yeah. In the film, you know, again, I like. I really like this cast. So. Well, well done, Vince. Hey, man. To serve with, I mean, look. So I take it you would recommend people. Oh, you know, look, man. I I, Look, this really is like, like in my mind, like, you know, people sometimes in their head, they feel like they're Shaft or somebody like in my head. Oftentimes I am Mark Thackeray. Like, I feel like I'm like when I, if I go into a classroom, and like I'm like you have a good class, mm-hmm. like at the end of the class, I feel like I'm Mark Thackeray. Like like you know, a kid sends me an email, and and, and you know it was a good you know I learned something, or I'll get an email from an old student. I'm like yeah, I'm getting my to serve with love on right now. Oh my god, <laughs> Mark Thackeray. Mark Thackeray. He's who I aspire to be, even though he's too perfect. You you talked we talked about Mark Thackeray does everything. And he does it well. There's this funny little tick that he does that, you know, you kind of see if you've ever drawn with chalk where he kind of brushes his fingers together to kind of get the chalk dust off. Okay. Mark Thackeray never actually has chalk dust on his hands. His hands are always immaculate. Like he kind of does them together as if he's getting the dust off. There's no dust. There's no dust on Mark Thackeray's hands. His hands are perfectly manicured. Well, I mean, you know, he, he, he's he's Sydney Poitier. Hey, man, 1967, like you talked about. You know, I think I think Sydney Poitier has a physicality about him that is undeniable, like just the way he moves. And, you know, you kind of like like I'm, I'm going to lean on my blackness right now mm-hmm. because I think when white people talk about black people like this, it gets real racist real quickly real quick about, you know, black men and their physicality. And he moves like a panther. Right. right. But I think there is an economy of movement to Sidney Portier when he moves. That is it is a joy to watch him move from place to place. Like, I think he, he's. In, in 1967, like you said, this this is a Sidney Portier that becomes the icon right here. So yeah. I absolutely would recommend to serve with love. All right. Well, I would recommend it as well. Yeah. I, I would wholeheartedly recommend uh, to serve with love. I think it's just um, it's in many in some ways it's uh, what's that word you use? A piffery. But it's for some for, a frippery, a frippery. You think it's a frippery? It's no frippery. Uh, maybe it's not a frippery, but there's nothing frippish. 
I don't know if frippish is a word. <laughs> I was just looking for an adjective form of frippery. Mark Thackeray would know. He would. Mark Thackeray would know. He was teaching him how to make salad. He taught him how to make salad. All right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, there you go. Then he was talking about eating. And then she said, is that usually all you eat for lunch? He said, oh, you know, I like to. And he said, do you like to eat? And he said, oh, I do like to eat. And then he talked to her, well, I like, I like strawberry shortcake and You're gonna do a little lots of, here now. you know, and ooh, and, and, and lots of butter. And then he was talking. And I was like, ooh, Mark Thackeray, you know, she's not really talking about eating food right now. Right. But he's Mark Thackeray. So, of course, he knew. But he said, but I like to eat light for lunch. He ate his orange. He ate his orange. I said, ooh, Mark Thackeray. Just smooth ass. Got time for you. I don't have time for you. I have things that I have to do. I'm Mark Thackeray. You want me, but I don't want you. Well, he wanted her. He did want her. He did want her. He did want her, but... That was part of that skip with the boutonniere <laughs> back out to the dance floor. She was looking good at the dance Amen. She came dressed Amen. for Amen. She came dressed for Mark Thackeray. Yeah, she sure Everybody did. came dressed for Mark Thackeray. She sure did. Including the bummy guy. That's the one I said the men wanted to be him. Yeah. He got like the bummy him. guy had, had combed his hair. Mm-hmm. I said, Lord, everybody coming from Mark Thackeray. But yes, we recommend to serve with love. We do. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, well, uh, what's next? Hey, I think we had announced that we were supposed to be yeah. Sister Act uh, 1 and 2, but we actually uh, jumped the gun on that. That actually is going to come the week after Okay, uh, next. So, then you're up. So I am up. Yes. And while I am up, I am going to once again do you, Vince, a favor. What? We're going to do Lethal Weapon 2. No. It- <laughs> this time is personal. I almost wish we were doing that. Just so I could get this thing out of your <laughs> But no, we're not doing Lethal Weapon 2. Okay. <laughs> but what we will do is have plenty. Have plenty. Yes. Now you have or have not seen it. I've seen it once. I haven't seen it since that one time. Very nice. Yes. And and I want to do it because you always talk about how like about three or four different occasions you, this was like on the cusp of being right, the film right. Because because I'm really really fond of this film. And I've only watched it once. Yeah, and I remember yeah. not being fine. It's it's I, I don't I think it's easy to not like this film. Like I don't think it's a great film, mm-hmm. but I think it's got a lot of can do spirit to it. I like the cast. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably like the cast more than their acting warrants. Right. But I like the cast. Um, I think it's a really kind of this weird subtext, but we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, yeah, talk about we'll talk about, but it. oh, very I'm interested nice. in revisiting it. So, very like, nice. Like, well, let's have plenty. What year was have plenty? I don't know. What year is that? It's like okay, we'll uh, look it up. 
I mean, we've got a we've got a computer. No, no, no. Because I have a. I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about my fondness for half. Point I'm wondering eight, about that too. Like, to when, did, when does it fall I, with you? 1997. Yep, that's probably one of the first dates I went on with my wife. Really? Is she a fan of the film? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. We started dating in '96, so '97 we would have still been, you know, very early dating. Okay. All right. Well, you will. Uh... Probably someone like what little movie house in Baltimore. All right. That might be why I had that. I never thought about that. That might be why I have a fondness for that. I think when you watch it again, you'll realize that that is why. No, 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 no. Because I've seen it since. But, but you know, I, I do. But, but see, but I do understand that sometimes I have an emotional attachment yes. to things that aren't necessarily connected to the quality of it. Right. And now watching it more. W- right, right. Watching it for this. Right. You. I think you right, know. like even with the sir with love, which I absolutely love, but there were scenes I was like, "Ooh, that's a little problematic." He said, "No man likes a sluttish woman, or at least not that long." I said, "Damn, Mark Thackeray, you talking to kids?" Yeah, but I liked it though. They weren't <laughs> kids. They were not kids. They remember at that point they didn't want to be. He was treating them as adults. I ain't like yeah, I will, you know. <laughs> I mean, like you've you said that in the class right now, you'd be fired. But... Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> no man likes a slut for long. Now open your books. <laughs> no. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right, have here. plenty. Nice. Um, this show will be available on MichelleMission.com as well as Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and any place in good any place that podcasts. Are, as well as broadcasting on WPPMLP 106.5 FM, People Power Media, Philly Cam Radio, Philadelphia, and Camden, ladies and gentlemen. One o'clock on Saturdays is part of the movie block of radio shows on Philly Cam. We follow Philly on location with Jordan Calling and Terrell Brown. Yes. Um. All right, I think that's uh, 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 just about it. If you want to really help us out, support Black Podcasts. Yes. Also on the podcatcher of your choice, please continue to give us nice ratings. And yes. even if you feel so moved to write a nice little review, we really appreciate it. We do. Also, support phillycam.org. It, it is a member-sponsored um, uh, initiative community. Uh, excuse me. Um public access television here in Philadelphia, as well as a community FM low power radio station that is doing great things here in the city of brotherly love. Um, but we can only do it with support by generous donations from people like you. So go to phillycamp.org and please donate this week as part of our fall campaign, um, fundraising drive. All right. We got to get out of here. He's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, you know what we say? We'll see you when it's time to meet again.
Now it's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.